Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Welcome back to Alien Minute. Alien Minute is the daily podcast that breaks down the film Aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we, of course, are here to round out our first of two weeks here on Alien Minute. Brady, have you had a fun time this week? I've had a great time. Thank you so much, John, for for letting us do this. Wherever you are out there in Radio Land, uh, (laughs) I've had a lot of fun. Because, you know, I stopped doing the Movies by Minutes thing after Goonies Minute, which was quite a while ago. So this is my first time... Behind the mic, so to speak, uh, much less analyzing movies minute by minute. So it's really nice to to get back in here and do that. Uh, much less for such a yeah, great movie. It's, it's it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, and I think it's a, a really big payoff. And it's it's fun to talk about movies that you love. You know, and Aliens mm-hmm. is a film that means a lot to you and I, and it's you know a movie that we've uh, thought about a lot <laughs> in our spare time. So it's cool to get in here and kind of look at it in this format. And you know, I'm jealous that John gets to do this every day because it's such a great movie to break down in movies by minute format. But uh, yeah, this is this has been a fun first week. We'll have one more week with you guys, and then uh, I, I'm not sure if John's going to be back uh, for the following week or what exactly is going on. But uh, whenever he does come back uh, from his secret, super secret marine mission, uh, we will be looking forward to hearing more of his thoughts on aliens. So, all right, Brady, were you ready to go ahead and get into minute number seventy? Let's go. This minute begins with Hudson attempting to grasp the severity of his current situation, and ends with Ripley and Vasquez telling Burke that they will exterminate the Xenomorphs, and no one can stop them. So I think right now at the beginning of this minute, we see Hudson at peak disconnect, you know, like Bill Paxton does such a, such a great job in this movie with the character of Hudson. And during this minute is when we really get to see kind of this character that seems like he's maybe the most fragile mentally out of all of them kind of at his peak, just not able to deal with what's going on. You know, he just kind of lets uh, Burke know or I can't remember if it was Burke, but who exactly know like, you know, what the score is that they just had, you know, their butts handed to them in a battle with the aliens and they were in no shape to, you know, to go back in and, and try to rescue anybody or anything, you know? Um, but what, what are some of your favorite Bill Paxton performances? You know, I've always thought he's a little over the top, but it's Bill Paxton. It's part of who he is, you know, and it's not always the case. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie, a simple plan, Sam Raimi movie oh, yeah. from like the late, uh, mm-hmm. late eight and nineties. And I thought he gave a really good kind of understated performance in that. And whenever you look at that and then you look at Hudson here, I mean, you see somebody with a lot of range. He's hysterical in True Lies as the sleazy yeah. car salesman who is pretending like he's a secret agent to try and uh, get all up on Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the guys, he's always got something new. He's always stealing the screen, you know, the spotlight whenever he's on screen. And um, I think the last thing that I saw him in was Nightcrawler and thought he was really good in that. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, I love so Nightcrawler. Good. Really creepy. Yeah. But yeah, what, what about you? You know, he made this he made this horror film uh, that he actually directed called Frailty. Yeah, I've seen Frailty. Uh, which, yeah, which I think is kind of overlooked by a lot of people because it, it does a lot of stuff that uh, is you're I guess you're uncomfortable with like who the hero is in that movie and kind of what the truth of the of the nature of that film is. 
Uh, but I think that he plays that. Per- he he directed it. He wrote it. Uh, and I think the character that he plays in the film, he d- is really conflicted with what's going on. Like what he's his calling is to do by how by a higher power. And I think that he did a fantastic job with that. And he's a real talent. He was a real talent and uh, just devastated when he passed earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he was still very young. Uh, but it's just, I think he went into the hospital for some routine surgery and just something went wrong during the whole thing. And it's just uh, kind of shows the frailty, if you will, of life, you know, but uh, just uh, miss the guy every day. I really hope that we could continue to have seen him, you know, grow and work throughout the years because I don't believe his he was taken too young. His time was not done. We should have had more Bill Paxton movies. But, um, you know, he did a, a stint, too, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as one of the heads of HYDRA. Um which is so he had his impact on like the Marvel connected universe as well. But uh, I, I, it would, I think my favorite performances of his would either be maybe Hudson really, or that character from true lies. Um, I know I said, I love frailty, but it just, he's so damn funny in true lies. The guy could do it all. He could do, you know, uh, he, he could take any performance and put his own like unique uh, comedic twist on it. And it never really stood out as something that you didn't believe was. And, and I know you said he was kind of over the top, but it felt like it was appropriate within the universe of the film mm-hmm. as well. You know, like whether it be true lies and he's hamming it up or whether he's here as Hudson, you know, and just kind of like constantly it just, the stress is just getting to him <laughs> in any situation. It feels like it's appropriate for the scene. So um, yeah, I really love what he does with Hudson in this film and Hudson's own little arc too, because Hudson does kind of pull it together uh, in not too much longer, you know, and Ripley kind of like sits him down and says, you know, she's really sick of everything that he's doing and that they need him and that he needs to get it together. You can kind of see him and he's like shaking his head like, yeah, okay, I got it. You guys need me. I'm part of the team. I, I, I do need to get it together. But I think right here is really where you see him at, it, at, his, at his worst, at his breaking point. But, you know, uh, after he says that line about them, you know, having their asses kicked, Vasquez comes in and says that they have seven canisters of CN20. And have you ever heard of CN20 before? Nope. What is that? So it's kind of interesting. It's, so it's, it's in the alien universe, but it's also a real chemical as well. Um, so in Aliens, it's a chemical weapon that the colonial marines use that causes the victims to lose control of their body and eventually their ability to breathe and suffocate and die. Uh, in reality, CN is the chemical name for, um, excuse me here if I completely screw this up, uh, phenacyl chloride, which is used as a riot control agent. Uh, I think it's actually been replaced by another chemical called CS. So uh, in the alien universe, whatever CN20 is, that's a nerve gas that will kill you by basically making your body just break down and your muscles atrophy and not able to move anymore. So eventually you would suffocate. But there's something very interesting about that because, you know, uh, Vasquez says we've we've got these seven canisters. We're going to go and just roll them in there, and you know we'll kill everything. That's not something the army does. Up until 1990, uh, we used chemical weapons in some form. You know, not like mustard gas or, or anything like that. There was use of like Agent Orange in Vietnam, but since 1990s, the United States has banned the use of all chemical weapons. So that means that something has to have changed in military action between uh, 1990. And when this movie takes place. So we're looking at the future where not only the Marines take people out of prisons and say, okay, you're a prisoner before, you're a Marine for the rest of your life. Now you have to serve out your prison sentence, you know, working for the military. But also they're using uh, nerve gas, which is kind of crazy. So it's, I I would like to, one of the things I loved about Prometheus, and I really hoped we could do with other, uh, I don't know how you could work this into a feature film, but I would have loved to have seen a movie 
or, or something about the colonial Marines that didn't involve xenomorphs at all. That would you know, be cool. like I was really curious about how these guys would go into colonies on other planets and you know, like quell uprisings or, you know, uh, take military action without xenomorphs. And I was really hoping that if Neil Blomkamp got to do his alien movie, that maybe we saw something to that effect, like what a normal military routine exercise is for the colonial Marines. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, um, a lot of potential, story potential there. Totally. Uh, and I think that CN20 thing comes from the Colonial Marines technical manual, which was this thing that I want to say that like maybe Dark Horse Comics put out. And it was a really cool just kind of, you know how they have like the Star Trek technical manuals and it'll show you like, you know, the bridge of the USS Enterprise or Star Wars might have like how the Millennium Falcon, like a cross section of how it works and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, they did one of those for the Colonial Marines, and it was like uh, how all of their guns work and, you know, like what the Sulaco look like a cross section of, you know, like the different levels to it and, you know, the, where the FTL drive and all that stuff was. So it's a really cool book, but it's one of those things that's also, you know, just kind of like not really canon, just kind of people having fun with these concepts, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – so that's I, – I don't – I would like to know what happened between – 1990 and when aliens takes place that made the Marines say, okay, we're going to, you know, reinstate nerve gas. But I imagine when you're dealing with whole colonies of, of people on planets, you might have to, you know, bend the rules of engagement a little bit. So there you go. Um, but you know, there's no real evidence that what Vasquez wants to do would work on the xenomorphs in any way. Like we don't know if how they breathe or, you know, how their organs work specifically. We have seen that they can live in open space for at least a short time. You know, at the end of Alien, you know, Ripley shoots the alien, it, it gets up in the engine, and then she's blasted out into space. Well, it's able to live there for a little bit. You know, in, in Covenant, uh, we see that they open up a a bay door, and it doesn't immediately kill the alien like it would a human being. So I'm, I doubt that them rolling nerve gas in there would really have done anything at all because it looks like whatever would usually kill a human yeah, and it's cool because up until this point, we really don't know that Burke is the bad guy. He's almost like Ash was an alien where, you know, for a long portion of that movie, unless you're really paying attention to the little intricacies that Ian Holm is doing, you don't know that Ash is there, you know, to, to collect the alien. You think he's just another member of the crew. And at this point, Burke has really not shown anything that would make you think that he's the bad guy. You know, he's the sleeper agent inside the whole thing that's really here to try to get an alien back if they actually exist, you know, and he's looking out for his own financial interests and, and for the company's interests. So when he says, you know, um, we can't do that, this thing costs too much money, it's like, what, what, what authority do you think you have in this situation? And we find out shortly he has no authority at all, but he says something like, I don't think I can authorize that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm curious... Um, in the future, if they were to go off into an off-world and set up a terraforming colony, I don't think they would do that without some sort of substantial insurance policy involved. So at this point, if the whole thing is a total loss, they could probably just write this thing off in any way that they could because they'll have the only evidence to any any direct link that this thing is, uh, you know, went south so badly. So, I, I you know, it's... It's very clever that Burke isn't, like, coming up with, like, other alternatives at this point. You know, like, from what he just saw, you think that he would be like, oh, we have to get out of here. It doesn't matter how much money uh, the company has sunk into building this terraforming colony here. There's no way that we're going to recoup the cost at this point to just clean these aliens out, <laughs> you know. Um, but it is it is a very clever kind of the first seeding of the fact that Burke really probably isn't who we thought he was up until this point. Yeah, absolutely. Always the money guy. Yeah. Here's my question for you. Who is the bigger bad 
or who is the better bad guy in this franchise? Is it the Xenomorphs or is it the company? Hmm. You know, the Xenomorphs are just doing their thing. Yeah. You know, it sucks that we're just kind of a, a means to an end for them or a beginning, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but they're just creatures living out their life and doing it in their own way. And, you know, we're a casualty to that. Uh, so Waylon Yutani, for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, team expendable, crew expendable. Yeah, no question. And, you know, another cool thing about Waylon Yutani, it makes him such a great bad guy, is, you know, we get to see, like, the queen alien in this. Uh, we get to see the, the xenomorphs and how bad they are. We never really get to see, like, who the head of Waylon Yutani is. Of course, we see Peter Waylon and Prometheus and Covenant, but he wasn't really a bad guy so much as he was just kind of this psychotic idiot, you know, who had a lot of money. But I would love to, I'm glad we don't get to see who the top CEO is at Wayland Utani because it keeps them completely faceless, you know, and yeah. it makes them so much more of an ambiguous uh, kind of like bad guy from the shadows. I guess. And I would hope if we get more alien films that, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see the broader universe. I know I've said that, but I think maybe truly revealing who the, you know, like uh, the head of or CEO or CFO of Wayland yutani is, is something that should always just kind of keep off screen. Yeah, agreed. I think Van Leeuwen is probably the closest you get to it. And then whatever mm-hmm. the woman's name is, who's speaking in the briefing in the beginning. But um, yeah, I've always kind of liked the fact that, yeah, but I also want to know just how much does Wayland yutani do? What do they cover? You know, this and why is, is a it, great question. Why is it always the same thing? Why is it always Waylon Yutani? I mean, these movies really do fall back on the same. Uh, I don't know that that same plot over and over again, and I've, yeah. it's almost like you come to expect it. I cannot remember if Alien Resurrection uh, had anything involving Waylon Yutani going on. I've kind of blocked well, most of that out, but they they make a joke in that film that Waylon Yutani doesn't exist anymore, and that they were bought out by Walmart. What? But it's not it's not a hundred percent sure if if that's a joke that was made by a character in the movie if Walmart even exists in that universe in the future. But I think it speaks to kind of the broader dystopian sci fi theme that we are heading towards a future where everything is controlled by corporations. You know, it's like right now, like uh, you know, not to get too political here, folks, but you know, uh, our government is basically just like uh, you know open to the highest bidder at some points for industry. You know, I think the Apple has more cash now than the United States government does on hand which is crazy but uh um yeah i think that's kind of like one of the if we are ever to actually see earth in one of these films like in the future uh i think that it would probably just be like you know just a hellscape it's like that 1980s kind of like uh the punk rock like cyberpunk future that i think that james cameron was so into around that time just kind of like roving gangs of mutant thugs or something like that like toxic waste everywhere and the only thing that really matters ultimately is Waylon yutani's like you know uh, what their uh, their market share is at the end of the day but there is kind of you know there's some implications too that maybe Waylon yutani is the government at this point that the company owns everything and then you kind of start to think you know their their ultimate goal is to get one of these things and try to use it for a bioweapons division. And I've always been, kind of been curious, like, bioweapons for what? Like, do they want the alien to work for them as a soldier? Do they want to sell it as maybe a black market's, uh, like, uh, someone that's able to smuggle a nuclear warhead out of uh, Russia after the fall, uh, you know, of, of uh, the Soviet Union to sell to a terrorist? Is it going to be something like that? Are they trying to use these aliens 
to give to off call off world terrorists. Like, it's just kind of like when you really start to follow that down, you're kind of like, there's not really at some point it doesn't make sense, you know, like, because they're, they are making this weapon, but who are they going to try to run and sell it to the government, to these Marines they just use to kill people with. So, but it's, it's a lot of fertile ground for another story. You know, like I've said, I think that there's a lot of fascinating stuff in this universe that they could make movies without aliens in them, just about like what the implications are for what the company wants to do. And it could very well be interesting. Uh, but maybe that'd be like, I don't know, some sort of like alien a boardroom drama spinoff or something like that. You know, the, the Wayland Utani uh, trilogy that'll eventually come out. So, um, but yeah, that's just, I don't know. I was thinking about that in the scene because, you know, Burke is just trying not to completely reveal his hand, but he definitely wants to preserve the species here when he starts to say, like, you know, nuke the scythe from orbit. Like, what are we talking about here? That's crazy. So, uh, or exact, I think that actually comes in the next minute, but, you know, we can definitely see that Burke doesn't want to get rid of the alien just yet. So, well, Brady, do you have anything else for minute number 70? That is it for 70. That is it for me as well, folks. We are going to be back for one more week. We will join you on Monday for Minute number 71. And if you have enjoyed Alien Minute, please do visit AlienMinute.com. There's a virtual tip jar over there uh, where you can leave whatever your heart desires to help John out with stuff like server costs and whatnot. Uh, And, of course, we do want to ask you, if you enjoy the podcast, to go on to iTunes and give Alien Minute a five-star review. Because, in my opinion, John does a five-star job over here. And we'd like to continue to let him know what we think about what he does on Alien Minute. Uh, we would also like to thank uh, Pete and Alex from Star Wars Minute who created the Movies by Minute format and we really appreciate them kind of letting it be an open source form forum for people to talk about their love of movies in a minute by minute fashion and if you like what Brady and I have done here today please do check out our podcasts uh, we have Ghostbusters Minute Jurassic Park Minute and Goonies Minute uh, and you can also check out our sports podcast Undrafted which drops every Monday so speaking of Monday Brady you ready to get out of here and come back and talk about aliens again next Monday let's go all right folks we will see you back again for minute number 71 on Monday everybody have a great weekend <laughs>